0: Feeling better, looking better, making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life, life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to The Elective Show, everyone. I'm here with Nick Arnett. Nick, welcome. Hey, Byron. Great to be on your show, my friend. Right
1: on. Yes. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, you're labeled as the feel-good funny guy, but Nick, who are you? Tell me tell me about your DNA. I need a better definition than the feel-good funny guy.
0: Yeah, who is and what is a feel-good funny guy? <laughs> well, I started my career uh, many years ago as a stand-up comedian, and I, I toured all over the country, and you know, work with some of the very top names in the business, but as time went on, uh, I left the club scene and got uh, into corporate uh, speaking and uh, corporate content. So I, my, I, I'm feel good funny because every talk I do has humor. It's always humor based, but there's a message with it, and I like that because people in a good mood—it's just a fact—are uh, more receptive to new ideas interesting now yeah. i
1: read your i read your promotion and i got really bummed out because one of the things on there said you know known for his clean and clever material and i'm like damn that sucks but <laughs> But seriously, tell me about the corporate speaking world. Um, You're you're influencing some pretty big companies and the people in those companies, Adobe, Microsoft, Motorola. I mean, really impressive repertoire of places you've spoken. What what do you think is is so interesting about your your angle on this? What what, what do you you bring to the table with us?
0: Oh, thank you very much. Well, I incorporate uh, using... uh, appropriate humor, way, simple ways to bring in a, appropriate humor to the work environment, I, along with some other concepts, such as you know, having a great attitude and, and teamwork. Uh, I think they're all intertwined, good communication, and humor, of course, is uh, in my opinion, a great base for all of that. And it doesn't mean you have to be a stand-up comedian. As a matter of fact, I think people who have no comedy background or or, uh, or don't even think they're funny are probably the best at using humor in the, in the workplace effectively. And your next question is, why is that? Hmm. Uh, because I think humor involves two things. One is the element of surprise. So that's one thing. If you're not expected to be funny, then if you have any attempt at humor, you're more likely to get a laugh because it's just completely unexpected. And there's another component in all humor that people often uh, don't consider, and it's called conflict. And sitcoms are based on conflict, everyday situations that have gone awry. People identify with it, and they laugh about it. And I say, if you can laugh about it, you can talk about it. Hmm. Uh, The the clean. The clean is really important because we live in an era, and I don't think it will ever go away, Byron, uh, of political correctness. Uh, It just won't. So I Mm -hmm. think the things that we say, uh, we're held accountable for, and maybe years later. For instance, uh, I had a boss years ago that uh, was up for a promotion and it was a year after this promotion he actually said something to one of the female employees by the copier and they said you'll be working alongside this guy he's going to be promoted and he's going to be working with you you'll work together it was a really nice promotion and she says well i'm not working with that sleaze you know what he told me a year ago by the copier and then the boss said well really he said that and the next day he was fired so Hmm. uh, it's important also, a good friend of mine, Adam Christing, he owns an agency called Clean Comedians, and I do work for them. I'm represented by them as well. Uh, his motto is it doesn't have to be filthy to be funny. Hmm. And uh, no one complains about Bill Cosby because he's too clean. Nobody complains about Sinbad because he's too clean. Uh, Brian Regan, another. So it doesn't have to go that way to be funny. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about your book,
1: Me, We, and Glee, How to Have a Great Attitude, Work as a Team, and Keep Your Sense of Humor. The book seems aimed at the corporate world, really, right? Tell us a little bit about the book and and the three parts of it. And let's start with the first part, me. Tell me about me.
0: Me is having a great attitude, how to have a great attitude. Uh, Life is tough, Myron, It, it is. And when things go wrong, we need to ask ourselves three questions. What part of this can I do nothing about? What part of this can I do something about? And the rest of it is like, how can I keep these negative thoughts going and get myself even more upset? And that's mm-hmm. supposed to be silly because you're supposed to think about all the really dumb things you could do in that situation,
2: mm-hmm. and it won't
0: do good. And when you think of all these silly things, then you know what not to do because attitude is everything, everything starts by new, and we know this. a lot of things we just need to relearn. Everything starts with our thought life because our thoughts determine. Our, our, how we feel and how we feel determines our attitude, our, and our attitude determines our behavior. Our behavior determines our character. But it all starts with how we think about it, and that's what we need to do. We need to think. We need to take control of our thoughts. We have to identify, uh, in the moment, when we're failing. When people mess up, they generally mess up in the moment. They. I want to. I want to ask a question about that. Attitude. So, you know,
1: I know a lot of people that have difficult and challenging attitudes to deal with. Um, Where does this attitude problem begin in people? And how can we stop that damn attitude problem from happening and developing in our lives?
0: (laughs) Well, I think I I really, uh, well, that's a really big question. Uh, Of course, it, it can come from family problems that can Come from trying to compare yourself to other people. Uh, for instance, I, I work with uh, teens in Los Angeles here who are overcoming drug addiction, and one of their whole things is they want to feel good all the time. They want to be happy. And Byron, uh, it is true. When I ask them, "Do you feel happy when you are high?" and and initially they do. That's that's how it felt the first time. So then it's over time it takes more and more to get that same feeling back and then they have an addiction. And the problem is they think something's wrong with them because they don't feel happy. And happiness by definition is not meant to last, it's just not. Happiness is based on the word happenstance which means it's based on situations, like I'm I'm happy to be talking to you right now but I also spend a lot of my time beating the bushes looking for groups to talk to, not so much fun. Uh, but it gives me an internal sense of well-being. It's called joy, knowing that I have opportunities to talk to people, for instance. So we need to focus not on happy, but on joy, internal sense of well-being. Things that are meant to last. These could be uh, friendships. It can be uh, improving your educational skills, uh, your work skills. Uh, things that are meant to last, not not temporary things. And I think. People that want to be happy all the time are going to end up making themselves very miserable. Uh, You can read tabloids or you see on the news where a a famous person has taken their own life, for instance, because they they weren't happy. They were just searching for happiness, and they ended up with a terrible problem.
1: Hmm. Is it possible to aim ourselves in a better direction and better prepare for good behavior by, you know, rewarding good behavior and scolding bad behavior? I mean, do these problems start when we're super young with just bad attitudes? The bad apple in the group, I mean, can't we just, just correct the bad apple and you steer them in the right direction?
0: Well, I, I think, Byron, uh, sure, uh, the simple answer would be yes, but it takes some effort on your part. You have to be... There are two ways people can uh, respond in any situation. One is you can be active, and the other one, you can be reactive. And I think the problem is when we are reactive. Sometimes we have to be reactive. It's, it's called the flight or fight uh, mechanism. Uh, and sometimes you just have to. You have to operate that. In that, in, And we are, we're actually wired for that if we need to. But in other situations, uh, we are the thinking people. We are human beings. Animals are always in in that uh, flight or, or, uh, or, or fight m- uh, mode, but we have a choice to actually be active and in, and in charge of our thoughts. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, my brother-in-law worked for a very large home builder and he was the vice president of sales. He was tip top in the company and uh, long story short, they fired him and they fired all the vice presidents of sales that day. Uh, my brother-in-law, his name is Brian. He spent the whole week and no one knew anything was wrong at all. Monday, we found out, and he had spent the whole day gone. He went to clean out his desk, but he was gone the whole day, and we were pretty concerned about him. And when he came back, it was over eight hours later, he had a big smile on his face. Uh, He had spent the whole day writing thank you notes to all the people he had worked with at that company. It was 66 handwritten thank you notes. And I saw him about a week later. And uh, he was wearing a shirt from that company. And I said, well, why are you wearing that after they dogged you like that? And by the way, they didn't fire him because of his performance. It was a company-wide firing of all the vice presidents of sales. And uh, he says, hey, I'll always be grateful that I worked for these guys. I'd never be where I am today if it wasn't for them. And then he says this. He says, I can't wait to see what's next. So there's somebody in the active mode. He's in charge. He's not feeling sorry for himself. But... He feels he not only feels good, but he has the thoughts that good things are, are going to happen. And as a result, he did have a lot of job offers. He made more money that year than he had ever made in his entire career. Mm. Um, but that's the way he is. He is exceptional, though, Byron. You know, the average American is in a bad mood. A bad mood hits them three out of ten every three out of ten days. Mm. That's average. So a third of the people listening right now, Byron, are, are really ticked off. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Possibly higher because they're listening to a life tip show to pick themselves up and, and be happier. So we, we can't let them <laughs> down here. we got to turn this around. It's up to you, Nick. Um, tell tell us a little bit about um, the, the we. Let's dive into we and how important we is to the formula here.
0: Yeah, well, that's... Uh... I'd like to go with we with, uh, with, te- with teamwork. We means teamwork. And teamwork really needs to be defined because as Americans, we're not team players by design. Uh, we, I ask everyone listening out there think of your favorite team in any sport and can you name the starting lineup? And I bet a few people will be able to, Byron, but most of them will not. But certainly they might be able to name one or two marquee players. Because as Americans, that's, that's what we value. Uh, and what about the rest of the team, though? Aren't they part of the team? How about the people that are on, on the bench? The, you know, all of them, they're all part of the team. The coaches, uh, the trainers, all part of the team. But really, uh, they're unnoticed generally because as Americans, we're taught to be the best you can be, but not really the best team player. So teamwork is a very vague concept. Uh, like, for instance, Byron, what what would be your definition of a team?
1: Oh, let's see. I have two that I was going to actually mention to you to see if I want to diagnose myself as completely off on this, but, but one uh, was when the Patriots uh, were introduced in their Super Bowl victory, one of the first they had after a long bout, uh, Belichick decided to disrupt the whole field, and rather than introducing the players individually like the opposing team did, they all just charged out together. There was no personal, individual introduction. Um, I thought you'd find that interesting. Another one was a professional one that I wanted to point out to you. I actually happened to be speaking yesterday at at a webinar that I run and um, I was doing some research into the graphic arts industry and something struck me as very odd. You know, no graphic designer. Uh, there's about 300,000 graphic designers in the U.S. alone that are registered AIGA members, and there's no graphic designer that's ever been in political office or, you know, gone on to run a, a corporation or a company. For example, um, there are certainly gra- graphic designers that have gone on to run agencies, but no one has ever risen the top. And I was thinking deeply about that because graphic design, in my mind, is kind of a team sport. You know, designing something is not an individual design. Individuals typically don't win awards. It's usually a group that win awards with three or four or five people participating. So anyway, that's my long-winded answer. Sorry about that. And thanks for asking it. But, but is that what you mean by team? Is that the element here that you're referring to?
0: Well, it is. And well, how about if I said this? Is, uh, I'll give you another example of teamwork. Uh, one person, let's say there's a project and there's a team of, let's say, it's called a team of, of 10 people, but one person does all the work, other people are called out to do everything else. So then when the project is done, everybody gets an equal amount of credit. So that would be one. Mm-hmm. How about another one uh, where really one team does all the work, but another team gets all the credit for the same job? Is is mm-hmm. that teamwork? Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of a trick question because it is. All of that's considered teamwork. Uh, Because it hasn't been defined, and you need to define what teamwork is because it's so vague. And the problem, I think, is that a lot of people don't know what it is because it is not defined. Uh, For instance, I'm sure a lot of people listening work at places that have like a a motto, uh, a company motto, but how many people know that motto? Um, I think there should be a, a little motto or... Something along those lines, or a mission statement—you might even call it—for for everything, for every little team. It could be for uh, the the people that work in the few cubicles around you. That what you're responsible for. You have something maybe to get all the paperwork uh, off our desk by uh, you know by 4 p.m. every day would be a, a goal that everybody would know and everybody would be accountable to. That would be the whole thing, because you never want to get in a situation where. Somebody is called not a team player if it hasn't been defined. But if everyone is responsible uh, for what the team, sta- the mission statement is, the team statement is, uh, then people can be held accountable for it, and you'll have better teamwork because everybody knows what's expected of them. Mm. And you can have them quickly. Go ahead, Byron. I was
1: going to say the, 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 the wonderful phrase uh, you know, that, that might jump out at you is mantra, right? So Guy okay. Kawasaki talks a lot about how companies, you know, mission statements are garbage. They're like, you know, return of value on shareholders and increase our return on investment, you know, blah, 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 blah. Companies need mantras, right? They need statements or slogans that talk about how they're better or different or unique, right? Um, and to, to get energy from that mantra um, that, that can really set the tone for, for performance and behavior and standards. Mantra is the word for us, I think, don't you think?
0: Well, I like it. Again, um, we're talking about defining things and that would be something to discuss. That's a great, thank you, Byron, for that because it's another example uh, of making sure communication is clear. Do you know what I mean by a mission statement? Do you know what I mean by a mantra? Right, and right. make sure everybody knows what that means, because things mean different things to different people. We're going to work that's... on
1: this this second version together, I'm telling you. We're on a roll here. Uh, the liking... second version of your book. Let, let's go to Glee, though, because Glee is really interesting. T- tell tell us about Glee.
0: Well, Glee, of course, is the, is the humor part, and I think the people who most effectively can use humor in the workplace are the people who don't think they're funny at all. Actually as a speaker, the best audiences I've had are the audiences say they're not funny. And the toughest audiences I have are the audiences that think they're really funny. And they get kind of in a, a mode, I'll go to the ones, the audiences who think they're really funny. And they, they're sitting there with their arms crossed and uh, they're, they have very high expectations uh, because, uh, for instance, especially if I'm there as a comedian, because they're already expecting it to be funny. But anyone can go up there that's not expected, particularly, uh, I've had a lot of fun with engineers, technical people. They've been great, accountants uh, have been really good groups, uh, because they, they don't think of themselves as funny people, but they're funnier because of that, mm-hmm. uh, So, because it's not expected of them, and that, that will really increase your chances of being funny. And it's really not very difficult to incorporate humor in the work environment, especially now with there, there's just a lot of things you can do to, to let things be funny for you, for instance. You can choose a appropriate visual humor, for instance. Uh, you can even Google clean jokes about things. Again, uh, I really stress clean jokes because you really want to minimize any chance for the joke being uh, misconstrued or held against you at another time because people are incredibly over, overly sensitive about, uh, about things that are said. Do you agree with that, Byron?
1: I do. I have so many questions about humor that I want to ask you. Matter of fact, I want to spend a whole bunch of time talking about it. Not just you know talking about funny or being funny, but questions that I think will be helpful for people to understand your vantage point of, Hunter, of humor and, 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 being, uh, and bringing humor to that, in, that critical element. But let's take a station break. We'll be back in just a minute, everybody. Life
0: Tips will be right back after this short break.
1: at BruceClay.com.
2: WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at bubblefast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount or call Mark and Robin at 877 599 7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast.
0: And now back to life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser.
2: Here are your hosts.
1: Welcome back to the show. So great to be with you here today. Thanks again for being on the show.
0: Yeah, it was great. I, that was a nice break, too, Byron. Thank you. I I, uh, I went downtown Los Angeles. I'm back now. Thank you.
1: <laughs> All <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles, by the way. Anybody out there know that? Did uh, you say I, that?
1: I think everybody knows that um, because I think you mentioned it earlier in the show, but but tell us a little bit about um, uh, really, you know, what, what can you tell us about being funny? And, and I don't mean that in a funny way. But, you know, how, for example, do comedians create and craft funny?
0: Well, you know, that, that's a great question. And I, I like how uh, Mark Twain said this. He says, there, there's no humor without pain. And uh, for me, I think it's generally every day. Remember, I mentioned earlier how humor is one is the element of surprise. Uh, for instance, America's funniest videos back in the day, or even YouTube videos where you see somebody you know slip and fall. You know, it's kind of funny. It's unexpected. Um, that's one element of surprise. I Maybe mean, even a slip of the tongue or something. Sometimes it's funny. But somebody messes up on the on the news. They you know that's a highlight at, at night on the late night talk shows. Because it's funny, it's not it's something they don't, don't normally do. But the other one is the conflict, uh, things that have gone wrong. And that's where the humor uh, comes in. Because I think if if you can laugh about it, you can talk about it. Uh, maybe not right away. I think humor equals tragedy plus time. You know, think there's a lot of things that we can laugh about t- today that maybe a year ago we couldn't laugh at because it, it wasn't. it was kind of painful at the time. So... I think really good humor comes from uh, comes from life and, and sometimes from the unpleasantries, uh, but also some really good things. Just taking, uh, thinking about our past. You know, growing up, we all we all grew up. We were all kids at one time, and, and that's the thing about humor, Byron. Uh, like a kid laughs about 400 times a day, average child, average adult on a really good day, 14 to 17 times. That's it. That's, now uh, wow
1: can i just pause on that for a second that is staggering and now i see why it's just
0: all downhill after your childhood <laughs> it's just so true it is well hey i don't know about you i'm a baby boomer byron so I, hey. I remember this like what i was you know when you were a kid you're you're young and then you're you can say a few words and you you show off in front of the company because your parents like hey you know baby can talk you know baby can dance and uh, then you get a little older, and it's like uh, sit down and shut up, and I get this wipe that smile off your face. And then I don't know if you ever got this one, but I did. It's like I'll give you something to laugh about, young man. So <laughs> you kind of unlearn like, hey, this this humor thing. Uh, you're being a smart aleck. So it's it's really it's really curtailed. Um, uh, here's a question for you. Do
1: you sure. feel like uh, do you feel like humor comes from within, and it's just has to therefore be so individually driven by a person.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, yeah I, you know, everybody has a different sense of humor and that's what I like about it. That's what I like about all the different kinds of comedy that are out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. uh, because everybody has their own taste. And that's, that's why I say, if you're going to use humor, use things that are fast, uh, you don't want to do a really long joke. And, uh, you know, because a lot of times when I hear jokes, this is one thing that people, after shows, people come up to me and say, here's a joke you can use. And a lot of times it's like a really dirty joke. And it's like, did I say anything that was even close that would make you think that I, and I just talked about the importance of clean humor. And then they're telling me this inappropriate joke. And uh, first of all, jokes take way too long to tell. The only time I would really recommend telling a joke joke is when maybe you're using it as an icebreaker, uh, to open a meeting, uh, to maybe use it as an illustration point when you're talking to people, but certainly not during the workday. Um, there's too much, humor, too much humor in the workplace when it turns into goofing off. But on the other hand, people that are enjoying their work, uh, it's a fact. People that, that have a good attitude, that are relaxed at work, where humor is encouraged actually do better work. Southwest Airlines, I'll, I'll give as an example, Herb Kelleher, the uh, the co-founder, He's not there anymore, but that was a, certainly, and a, I believe it still is, a, uh, something they look for when they hire people. They don't require a sense of humor, but they, they do recognize that it's, it's really important that their employees have it. Uh, and Herb Kelleher says, it's not how you appear that determines whether you're a leader or not. It, it, it's what you do. It's what you do that defines whether you're a leader. And I'll go another step further. Unless you have, you have anything to, to punch in here, Byron? Um, I'll go another under-
1: no, go another. Keep going. Keep going. This is good oh.
0: stuff. Ronald Reagan was the great what, Byron? Something actor. you are.
1: Actor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, that's good. That's funny. That's the element of surprise. You're good. Well, it's true. It's true, though.
1: Really, it's also well, true. Okay. He wasn't a he was great also- actor, but he was an actor.
0: <laughs> okay. And he was also known as the great communicator.
1: Right? Communicator. Okay. So
0: the man in office takes a bullet. Okay. And we're shocked. That, you know That's horrible, absolutely horrible. And so waiting for news, and the first thing he tells his wife, Nancy, is, Honey, I forgot to duck. We get that news. We say Ron still has his wits about him, mm-hmm. operative words, wits about him. That means that's somebody who has a sense of control of what's going on. Uh, before he had the bullets removed, he, he uh, told the surgeons, You're not Democrats, are you? <laughs> Again, you know, hey, this guy's still okay. He's still in charge. Whew. Right? Winston Churchill, let's go, let's go across the pond. A woman came up to him at, at a party and says, if you were my husband, I, I would surely put poison in your drink. And he says, if you were my wife, I would surely drink it. <laughs> Again, somebody really who's been... Brilliant. Yeah. So that's somebody who's in charge. Now here's the thing though that I want to stress about humor. That sarcastic humor is something you absolutely should always stray from. In the work environment, I think you always should anyway. But a lot of people, uh, especially men, that's the only kind they use because that, that's, supposed to, that's kind of like the way guys talk to each other. But what happens is it puts people on the defensive. If you've ever been subject to a put-down joke, I know I have, you want to get them back. As a comedian in the clubs, you know, somebody will yell something to me up on the stage. Well, I have to get them back, and I have to get them back harder so they'll shut up. And it's ugly. It can be really ugly. I had a guy in Canada one time that they wanted to fight me. And uh, I was, he was a really strong guy that worked in a, a pulp mill. He shook mm-hmm. my hand after the show, and I thought he was going to break it. He just wouldn't let go. Mm-hmm. But he was showing me that he was the dominant, dominant man. Anyway, it gets ugly. That didn't have to happen. Uh, but that's what some people get really, really it's, – it's counterproductive. You, mm-hmm. you just want to go there. And a lot of people, that's the only kind of humor that they know. And then I'll say, well, hey, too bad if he can't take a joke. And well, it is, it is, well, it is what it is. And it just people shouldn't be subject to that, because really, there's a grain of truth in all humor I've been told. And I, I kind of think there's some. Do you believe that there's a grain of truth in all humor?
1: Oh, of course. Well, that's what's. Tr- there's there's something cognitive happening, right? You're you're triggering things in your brain that are reflecting back on your insights to those pieces of whatever is being uh, you know talked about and presumably laughed at,
0: right? I mean, that's yeah. A, it's it's a memorable Byron
1: experience.
0: I keep talking over you, and that's one of the things I write about in my book that uh, that's really bad. I should say. <laughs> I, a, were you finished with that thought, Byron? Pardon me for interrupting. Well, that's just because you're so excited to be chatting with me
1: today. So you know, I really
0: I, am because I, <laughs> you ask such good questions. <laughs> I, I mean, you're really good. I, I do these all the time, but you you actually make me think. And, and I and, and I'm saying sure. the others don't, but you're you're a very good interviewer. You really. Sorry are. Sorry about that. Thinking is difficult. Uh, send
1: me the bill on that. But I, I want to ask you one thing. We we are sort of uh, our own captain. We're the captain of our own ship when it comes to humor, right? But I, yes. I want to ask you about this interesting concept that. You know, I think that we all want to say funny things and make people smile. Like that's part of human nature, right? So right. there's probably something inside of us. But don't we have an opportunity to experiment and, and, and either succeed or fail when it comes to comedy? And don't a lot of us have difficulty succeeding with humor? And as a result of that, veer away from it for some reason because we don't want to be viewed as a failure. Isn't that sort of going on out there with a lot of people?
0: Sure it does. And I'll I'll tell you, I I will absolutely tell this to everybody out there. Uh, uh, In my family, I am not the funniest person. I'm the middle child. I have uh, four sisters and no brothers. And I probably ended up in comedy because uh, I can have a microphone and and people listen to me because it's amplified so I have that opportunity to, uh, to express myself. But when I'm home with my family, I am not the funny person. And uh, I have a sister that's 11 months younger than me. Can you believe that? 11 months younger than me. But she's the funny one. And so she kind of runs the show with the, with the funny. And I just go along with it and I laugh right along with everybody because uh, she enjoys that. So yeah. I don't mind sitting back and, and, uh, and letting that happen. Uh, so it's, it's okay. But I'm saying that everybody you know, has an ability to let other, to just keep things simple, keep their risk down by maybe sharing uh, something funny, maybe a funny video, but make sure it's appropriate, of course. Make, you know, just ask yourself if this thing got exposed on the 5 o'clock news that I sent this, this uh, funny video or something. Would, would that be a controversial thing? Uh, you see a lot of people, they just do silly things, and I know they, they mean it in good, clean, fun, like they make a departmental video and And they get a little carried away and it gets leaked to the media. Then the public says, well, look at these people are doing on company time. When in fact, it might be something really motivating. Um, You just have to to really ponder the humor uh, that you use and how you're using it. Uh, I'd say sometimes, uh, unfortunately, because I think that they way overdo some things that that, uh, people do uh, and just uh, really pulverize them in the media un- unjustly.
1: Do you find that there people have different types of styles of funny, like whether it be you know clever insights or witty questions, like the Ronald Reagan questions, or you know staged jokes, and they have wonderful memories and they can just recite a joke after a joke. Are there different types of humor?
0: Oh, there sure are, and you- you'd even find it you know culturally different humor, like like, well, even people in the South, I mean, they're just great storytellers, and, you know, Mm -hmm. that's their, that's their kind of humor, and it's, it's just, I just love hearing somebody that can tell a good story, I remember Mm -hmm. Jerry Clower, an old-time comedian, uh, he was a storyteller, and hilarious, but, you know, that's not really my strong suit, my, my, my thing is kind of a different style, it's kind of like, uh, um, you know, I share experiences, but it's, it's my own style, and when people start out in comedy, generally, they, they find a style that they like. That uh, another comedian, maybe they emulate another comedian. But it, as they go on, if they're going to be doing it for a while, they they've got to really adapt their own style. And what about everybody a, has.
1: Mm-hmm. What about a team? You know, I want to tie teams in with with humor. Um, I saw a wonderful story about the the the, the cast of characters and the, the different cast of characters that. We're almost generational at Saturday Night Live. And, you know, I was particularly interested in the whole Adam Sandler and that whole group. And when they first assemble this new posse of comedians, it's sort of, you know, someone will come in and they'll clean house and everybody's new. They don't really know what's going to evolve yet. Isn't that correct? Isn't there a lot of chemistry within the, within the group?
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, that's, that uh, lends itself to improv, which I don't do. But I, I I'm fascinated by it, and that really does take a lot of teamwork, and it takes mm. great listening school uh, skills, and um, I think it'd be a fun thing for anyone to take an improv class just just to kind of learn to think on your feet and trust other people, and the other person has to be cooperating with you. I, I you know, I've taken a couple classes, and and I I found them invaluable. It's not something that I want to do. I don't want to be an improv comic, um, but that's okay. But yes.
1: To me, to me, improv really is the best uh, and and the the the, the highest level of comedy. Um, You know how you react to what's around you, what you say, and your ability to make people laugh about it. I mean, that's just the cat's meow, don't you think?
0: Well, uh, I, I, to me, there's nothing better than a really good stand-up comedian. I, 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 that's me. But I'm glad that that you feel that way because you know it's absolutely valid. And it's, I'd say improv is like anything else. Um, the more you do it, the better you get. Some of the things you, maybe you have an arsenal of things that subject matters and that maybe that always work, and so you go there. As in stand-up, a lot of the comeback lines that comedians use, uh, certainly they've used them before. And most of the material, there are very few comics that uh, have brand new material. Uh, you can do a, two different Completely different shows back to back. I, I know very few comics that can do that, um, but a good comic makes makes you believe this is the first time he or she has ever told that joke. Hmm. So it's okay, all you people out there, to have some one-liners that that you find that are funny to use them time and time again. You know, certainly not to the same people, but uh, you can use them. It's okay.
1: When people read your book or leave your speaking gig for you, what do you want them to take away in their, in their, as, as, their, as their fundamental core wisdom?
0: Well, I want them to remember that everything starts with, with having a, a great attitude. And I also want them to feel free to, to lighten up, to use a little levity and share it with others. Uh, there 's a quote that I just love, and it 's people won 't always remember what you 've said, but they 'll always remember the way you 've made them feel and i I want them to feel that that it 's okay uh you know to use humor but again, I, the attitude everything starts with the attitude because it reflects every single thing else you do yeah
1: hmm. interesting. Who do you want to get a hold of you, and what would you like them to ask you about?
0: Well, you can get a hold of me very easily. Nickarnet.com is my website. That's A-R-N-E-T-T-E. Uh, my email link is there as well, but my email is Nick at NickArnett.com. Uh, all my contact information is there. Uh, feel free to ask me anything. Follow me on social media. Uh, any questions you have about anything I have discussed, if you want more information. I even have uh, some little snippets of this on, on YouTube. If you go to my Facebook page, there's a link to my uh, YouTube playlist that has some of these things, uh, me talking about, about teamwork and communication, attitude. I have little videos on there. I'll warn you, the videos I, I shot, <laughs> I shot them all in, in one thing, back to back to back. So they're, you know, my, my presentation is just okay, but, uh, the content is there.
1: Well, your wisdom is great. It's been great having you on the show today. I have one final question for you. Jay Leno is from Boston here, and of course, he's out in L.A. Do you know Jay Leno at all? Have you ridden a co- one of his beautiful cars with well, him? Well, years,
0: <laughs> years ago, I worked with him when I was first starting out at the Comedy Works in Denver, as mm-hmm. I also worked with Roseanne out of there. It was uh, real cool. Yeah, I saw her. Awesome. She was like the star. So, so yeah, and I, I I sold him a joke that he used as the opening line of The Tonight Show one time, so that that was just thrilling, and and uh, another comic heard the joke, said, hey, Jay would be great with that joke. And uh, I said, well, if he wants it, he has to call me. And he did. He called me up, and uh, he was just so nice, just just a great guy. Just, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a solid citizen. That's yes, he is.
1: What did he pay for your joke? I, can, I, can, I love that as a concept. My gosh. Oh, Look.
0: it $50? $50. 50, $50 from Big Dog Productions. Yeah, this was back. Uh, I still lived in Denver then. This was like 25 years ago. I don't, I don't know what he pays now, but I don't imagine it's a whole lot more than that. I don't know. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know if he's buying jokes anymore. What this would Jay just, Leno
1: uh, be like if I were to play golf with him, uh, a round of golf or something? I don't even know if he golfs actually, but, you know, w- would he be funny? Would he be witty? Would he be interesting? I mean, have, do you have any idea? And
0: I think he'd be just a, a real regular guy. I know people have run into him in places, you know, like he's, ordering food at a restaurant and stuff. I think he's just a real regular guy. People see him driving around town and, you know, all the cars he has. And mm-hmm. I think he's just a, a regular good guy. I, I even heard that when he's on the road, you know, if there's another comic in town, he'll even call him and say hello and, and invite him to his show kind of see Yeah, so that's what I know about him, that he's a great guy. But, I, you know, we're not, we're not homies, man. But I, <laughs> I like him. I respect him.
1: Well, it's just been great having you on the show, and you really represent your industry well, uh, so I wish you the best of luck. Now, the book, of course, is Me, We, and Glee, How We Have a Great Attitude, Work as a Team, and Keep Your Sense of Humor. Uh, yeah, so, and
0: uh, do pick it's available up. on Amazon. Uh, it's available on all pretty much any uh, e-reader, uh, any, any electronic format. It's available. Uh, it's also available at barnesandnoble.com and... Um, so anyway, you can download it or buy the, the hard copy. You can read the whole thing in two hours, which I like. Uh, I designed it that way because I, I don't know about you, but i start a lot of books and I just don't have time to finish. So this one you can finish in a day or two easily.
1: Terrific. Well, thanks yeah. again for being on the show, and uh, we really appreciate it, Nick. Thanks a lot, Byron. Pleasure. Until next week, everybody, hope you're a less, a little smarter, better, faster, and funnier. Thanks to Nick. Thanks for being on the show. We'll see you next
2: week.